Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Introducing WonderSuite from bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. Today with me is Jordi Romero, CEO and founder of Factorial HR. And we're going to be discussing hidden ways that HR can help you grow your business. And I'm really excited to talk about this topic. There is so much going on in the world when it comes to employee management, HR trends, and I'm looking forward to breaking all of that down and understanding a little bit more about how Factorial helps people manage HR processes. So we'll get into so many details about HR processes behind the scenes at Factorial and the ways in which HR can help you grow. Maybe some of these things that we discussed today will be unexpected. But before we get into all of that, Jordi, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and describe more about what you personally do, your role at Factorial HR? Um, and then what Factorial is all about. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, um, so I'm Jordi, uh, CEO and founder of, of Factorial. We are an HR software startup and our goal is to help small and mid-sized companies all over the world to be able to take care of their employees and be smarter as an organization, right? So what that means is being able to take decisions based on data instead of having to rely uh, entirely on intuition. And you know, my role, as you described as a CEO, is basically leading the company. We are 200 people right now. And that means that my role changes very fast with the headcount of the company and the growth of the business. I used to be the first developer next to my co-founder and the CTO. So we were building the first version of the app together. Uh, now I'm mostly leading the executives in the company. I'm helping with fundraising on setting the company culture and making sure it scales, welcoming every single employee, team member, talking to, you know, outside partners, the press and, you know, other factors that are not just running the business from inside, which, you know, I rely on a great team of 200 people right now that take care of most of the day to day. And so I know you've got a background in computer science, I believe is, was that your degree in computer science? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And I've also seen that you're interested in, We'll probably talk about it today. It's about capital, uh, raising capital and investment and just startup culture in general. But we were having a pre-podcast recording conversation about a week ago, and we started to touch on this topic about well, really how Factorial came to fruition as a company, your background, your experience. And the key thing that really led you on quite a, a passionate rant, which was very exciting at the time. And we said, hey, let's save this for the, the recording, was when you started to say, talk about data-led cultures. This seems like an area that's really important to you. And so I wanted to pick that conversation back up for the start of this podcast and maybe going back into your background a little bit and talking about some of your earlier roles. And as part of this conversation, thinking about the origin story of Factorial HR, can you maybe describe what it was about some of those early working cultures and the lack of data that impacted you and how it impacted you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's very relevant to how and why Factorial came to be. You know? So I'm, I'm a computer engineer, as you mentioned, and um, this is not our first company. So we're three founders and the three of us had different companies in the past. And actually three of us are engineers, which means that we had to learn every other function you know, in the job. So when, when we started running, for instance, a sales department, um, then the first thing we did as engineers is try to figure out the system, right? Then we said, okay, we need to, you know, get a bunch of leads and we need to talk to them. And some of them will become customers. So we started tracking that on Excel spreadsheets. And then eventually it's like, okay, that just doesn't grow with us. Uh, we need something more sophisticated. And we looked at CRMs and CRMs 
were not just better than spreadsheets. They actually gave us, so in this case, Salesforce gave us market insights, right? So it told us how profitable customer acquisition channel is and how long should it take or can it take to close a customer and which rep is selling more and faster than other reps. So the impact that this data had on us as a business and particularly as, as new leaders that were learning on the job was dramatic. Now, then we looked at similar stuff when we started doing marketing automation and there was a lot of data and a lot of insights that could be extracted from tools like Marketo or HubSpot um, and even customer support with a solution like Zendesk. So this was enlightening. It's like, okay, great stuff. We have good partners for when we need to learn these new functions and it's helping us grow as leaders and as businesses and as organizations. But then we kept thinking, you know, what's the most important thing for us and basically for any other innovation company. So what, what's the critical part here is the talent that we're able to attract, to develop, to train new skills, to organize, to compensate fairly, to let go if it's not working out. So all of these people decisions tended to be the most impactful decisions. And we were completely flying blind there. Mm. We had no partner, no visibility on why and you know what was going on. Um, so we were just relying on our gut feel. Um, and then we started looking for solutions and we couldn't find any decent solution. There were like oracles and SAPs and stuff like that, but we were a 70 people company. There was no good solution for us. So we said, you know what, we need to solve our own problem. And also there is a huge market that is waiting for a solution like this. And our current traction, it's proving us right. There is a pain and there is a lot of people waiting for a solution like ours. And that's why we were able to grow. That's really interesting. So can you remember thinking back for me, about the start of Factorial HR and maybe talk me through that process of, so you, you've identified this gap. I want to say a gap in the market, but it's also an emotional gap as an employee. I imagine it must've been frustrating to to be on the receiving end of this. And like you said, feel like you're flying uh, in the dark and you don't really know where you're going. You haven't got any data to form your your direction. So maybe can you talk me through those early processes and Maybe it's relationships with your partners as well and some of your early employees. How did you get factorial HR off the ground? Do you remember that process? Yeah. So going back to your earlier question about the frustration, is, I think mm. it's, it's the right word, right? So as an employee, there are many frustrations, like, you know, people not knowing if and when they're uh, allowed to take vacation days. And mm. as a manager, you know, forgetting how much uh, their team members are making and needing to go ask HR, you know, it's like, how much is this pe person making again? I, I want to give them a raise, but I don't know if that's going to create, you know, a conflict with some other people in my team. So all of these tiny, hugely important details, uh, were completely hidden for the employees and for the managers and, you know, for, for business executives and, and owners such as ourselves. So these frustrations were all over the place. And it was like, okay, so the first thing, there needs to be a database, there needs to be a system of record, and then people need to use it. So it needs to be easy to use and so on. So that was one of the main trends that we detected when we decided to start Factorial. And the way we went about it is, so Pau, uh, Bernat, and myself, um, as I mentioned before, we're all engineers and we had previous startup experience, you know, leading our own organizations. Uh, so what we did is like, okay, we put some of our savings together and we built an MVP. And we're just going to see if it flies. You know, we're going to put it in front of companies, um, HR leaders in small organizations, you know, mostly friends of ours at the beginning uh, who had companies and see what they tell us and if they use it and if they recommended it. And that was the beginning of a process that led us to, you know, okay, so there is a pain, they're using it, they're recommending it. We need to make money. How do we make money? That took us a couple of iterations. We tried with different business models and we eventually settled in the pure B2B SaaS business model, which means that we charge a recurring fee per employee per month. And we can charge either monthly or annually, but it's basically a few euros or pounds or dollars per employee per month. And how much does the current version of factorial HR differ from those initial prototypes? I'm really interested to know whether any features or functionalities of what started out as factorial HR that we don't see today, or on the flip side, things that maybe have come to the forefront of, at factorial HR that just were not on your radar at all when you first started out. Yeah, I mean, most of the stuff we have now, we didn't have when we started. I would say the common piece is the employee database, right? So that's at the center of everything we do. And that we built pretty quickly. And most of it is still there. And it still looks pretty much like it, it used to look back then. And then the other thing is how we build the product. And this needs to remain stable because it's key. And it is a product that's very intuitive, easy to use. It's even fun to use. 
which is rare for an HR, so an HR anything, you know, everything that's HR is kind of ugly and scary and boring. You know, you don't want to be invited to a meeting with HR because you fear they're going to fire you. <laughs> so we had to make it extremely like fun and intuitive and, and easy to use. And that's, that's common. Then you ask an interesting question. I was thinking about that. Is there something that we built and then we removed from the product? And actually, yes, there is. So when we started, we were quite local in some of our features, right? So we built stuff like employee benefits and payroll that were very local and it worked, but it didn't allow us to grow globally. And our ambition was to be a global leader in the space. And we couldn't do that if we had to replicate these functionalities country by country. So eventually we figured out that we had to partner with local vendors that solve that problem locally and much better than we could ever aspire to. And we did that and successfully we were able to grow. And now we have customers in over 60 countries. That's amazing. And on that journey at the beginning, just given that this is a marketing podcast, I'm always interested in those early stage, really growth spurts or growth hacks, however you want to describe them, whatever helped you get off the ground and generate your first customers. So taking your mind back then, can you remind, can you, yeah, explain to me and our listeners, how did you get a factorial HR off the ground and get it out there to the world? Who were your first customers? Yeah, how one can never forget the first customers <laughs> and what it takes to get them and, you know, hopefully uh, be able to keep them for, for many, many years. And they become friends eventually because they, they help so much in the creation of a business. You know, the first person that trusts you with their money as a customer and the first employee and so on, this is critical. So yes, I remember the first ones were basically pure outbound. Um, so reaching out to people via e- uh, LinkedIn, email, and, you know, 10 at a time we would get zero to one to two customers. And that just gave us so much work um, in the product that then we had to go back to the cave because we didn't have like different teams, right? It was us either selling or building. So we sold a little bit and then we went back to building all of the stuff that those early customers told us. And and that took us to maybe 50 customers. Uh, but luckily enough, since we had previous experience, we didn't stop there. And very early on, we started the content machine. So we started the blog very, very early in the life of the company. That was just, I think, maybe three or four blog posts a week on HR-related stuff because we realized that HR people don't typically have HR degrees, right? They're kind of mm-hmm. generalists uh, who have to figure out a lot of stuff and they go to Google. So if we were able to produce enough quality content that they would eventually find us, then we can get their email addresses, we can put a cookie there and eventually do retargeting. And that led to our main growth engine, which is inbound marketing. We get most of our customers from content strategy, um, SEO and self-service lead generation, basically. And I'm just interested to know, was localization a part of your initial strategy? So one of the great things about a SaaS product is, of course, that you can really target any location. But there is a lot going on behind the scenes and particularly with HR in different cultures. I'm just really interested to know about your localization or internationalization strategy and how you decided which markets to target. Yeah, that's that's a huge topic for us. So mm-hmm. so we always had it in mind and the product was actually first in English, then in Spanish, and I think now it's in like 11 languages. Wow. Um, and that's typically what it takes for some products to internationalize. In our case, as you mentioned, it's related to the country, you know, even to laws, regulation, culture, uh, mm-hmm. different costumes that, that you know, different uh, geographies have. So we had to um, really adapt the product. And for the first couple of years, we didn't. We make a product that was kind of global, which meant it was okay for everyone, but not great for anyone. (laughs) And then, as I mentioned before, with like the benefits and payroll thing, we went deep into making it really, really local for our local market, which was Spain. And that allowed us to grow very fast in Spain. And then it's like, okay, so we need to learn the best of both parts. And then we started building um, regional teams that included product managers, it included content marketers and then dedicated sales teams. And that was only one and a half years ago, actually, that we started doing that market by market. Um, we started in Europe. So we're, we're pretty strong in many or the top European countries. And then we always had this traction from Latin America just because we had a lot of content in Spanish for our, you know, Spain target. And that generated this kind of accidental inbound volume that eventually turned into its own dedicated team. And now that's serving Latin America and then rest of the world, you know, the US, Canada, 
Australia, India, other countries where there are businesses that speak English and that we might not have localized our product for a country, but they find it good enough for them. And, you know, we're not huge there, but it helps us learn about the market. And I'm also interested, Jordi, the, the more that you talk, the more I realize how broad your role is. So you're talking about internationalization, partnerships, obviously software development. There's legal aspects involved here, marketing. Which areas do you enjoy most and how has your role developed over time? So, I mean, yes, it, it, we didn't choose an easy company, that's for mm-hmm. sure. And I believe that hard problems are the most satisfying ones to solve um, and also rewarding, you know, in a, in a market reaction um, sense. My role has always focused on the customer side of things. So either selling or attending to our existing customers or making sure that our product is focusing on solving the right problems of those customers. So I really love talking to either potential or existing customers or even past customers to learn what can we do in the future to avoid losing another customer. And I think I will always do that. You know, no matter how large is the company, I really enjoy uh, spending my time talking to customers. And then the other thing is people either internally or externally, right? So hiring people, this is huge. You know, we, we, we hired a lot of people in the last 18 months. We were under 30 and now we're slightly over 200, um, you know, hiring managers, hiring executives, and then raising capital, right? So talking to investors to either potentially or right away close a funding round. And uh, I'm really interested to know, before we go into discussing the fundamental topic of how HR and hidden ways in which it can help businesses to grow, I'm thinking all of this through and thinking you seem really passionate, perhaps even more passionate as you've developed this product about the industry of HR, about the discipline of HR. So is it fair to say that the more conversations that you have with customers, the more that you're onboarding clients, the more opportunities or gaps that you're seeing in the HR space that you're able to solve? The way you're talking, it seems like you're not only your business knowledge and your ability to grow factorial HR has grown, but maybe your passion for HR in general has grown. Yeah, absolutely. I think it helps you build this empathy with customers. So we had this original vision, which is still the core of what we do, right? Which is allowing small and mid-sized organizations to make smarter business decisions by having access to data. That didn't change. But we didn't do the job of an HR person before, right? So we, we kind of understood what they did, but not how they did it. And it's so painful to see HR people working. They're so understaffed. They don't have resources. Um, they don't typically have a budget. Many executive teams don't listen to HR as much as they should, especially mid-sized companies. That changes with huge corporations. But we're serving these mid-sized uh, company, which is where most people in the planet actually works for. And we really developed an empathy when we realized how poor <laughs> this environment was and that we could really help, not just to the organization, but also to these heroes, right? Which are crucial for the businesses and crucial for the employees for, you know, talent acquisition, retention, you know, achieving objectives in a business. Uh, and they were being mistreated or they are being mistreated. And we tried to change that by first of, first of all, empowering them with our technology but also in each sales conversation, I always like to talk to management as well, not just the HR person. I, I usually ask that they invite the CEO or the COO or CFO, depends on how large the company is, mm. um, and make sure that they understand that this job is really important and that this job can affect the revenue and the profit and the growth or whatever this organization is focusing on. Uh, so that first of all, they get a budget <laughs> to spend in technology and you know buy a product like ours. Uh, but also that in general, they take them more seriously. And this is something I wasn't aware of when we started the company. I really developed that empathy and that insight into this um, part of organizations the more I talked with you know, either potential or existing customers. That's excellent. I want to pick that point back up as we get into this next section. So uh, I'll keep that top of mind because that aspect of empathy, I think, is really important in the world of HR, but particularly in online HR or through software. So we'll come back to that point. But actually, everything that you were just discussing there is a nice transition into, yeah, the aspect of helping businesses to grow through HR data and metrics. And when I think about this, so I, I, I'm pretty technically savvy, use a lot of software, SaaS products, 
and I, I roughly know what's measurable. But I'm interested to know and feel free to talk through factorial HR's functions and uh, functionality and features as you go through this. But what can our listeners, what do clients of uh, factorial HR, what can they expect in terms of the ability to measure employee metrics? What's going to be useful for them to be able to track? I mean, eventually everything, right? <laughs> everything that matters. <laughs> um, so, so there's been an evolution in our product. We started with what we call core HR. So how much people are making, how much of their variable compensation they're getting every month, which should reflect how well they're doing. But then you can also do performance management and compare these two. So why do you keep saying that this manager is rocking it and then you don't pay them overachievement, right? So why is there an inconsistency here? So these kind of things, nobody knows and nobody cares. And, you know, eventually this makes somebody frustrated and leave, or it just creates, you know, some, some injustice in the business, in the organization. And then it affects always in the wrong way. People always assume the worst when they don't understand why something is happening. So, so, you know, why somebody's in or out or somewhere in the organization, how long are they working? If they were, you know, our contractors, how much they're making and why, and how fast is this growing and how well it compares to peers in the same organization. Eventually we don't do that yet, but eventually we also want to share our customers, you know, how well compensated somebody is compared to their industry, you know? So other, let's say you're a marketing agency. So how much does a project manager in a marketing agency in London make compared to Berlin, compared to Barcelona, right? right. In a similar size, similar revenue. So this, this marketing tell can really help you be more competitive, retain your best talent or promote somebody who's killing it or adjust compensation, which is something that we see a lot of, a lot of times. It's like this person is being the highest rated when we do like either performance management or employee satisfaction surveys or any kind of surveys. And, you know, their compensation is not seeing that, you know, they maybe they don't ask. And sometimes organizations don't reward people who don't ask. And that leads to churn in employees. So, so these are very important decisions that could be better made if you know what's going on. Hmm. And as you're talking that through, it's, hard not to think of the pandemic and the impact that's everyone that's had on everyone's mental health and their well-being and the topic of burnout comes up a lot in conversation for me both on the podcast but in generally at the moment i'm just interested to know yeah going down to a data level what can our listeners expect from factorial hr that would help them really stay in touch with how their employees are feeling and are there any features or functionality related to well-being that you can talk through that really brings to life how you can monitor employee satisfaction, well-being, and all of those things that you just discussed there? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic has been tough on all of us, but each time I, I start a conversation with an HR manager or leader, the first thing is like, what a year, huh? <laughs> because <laughs> it's been it's been so chaotic, mm. you know, with 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 regulation changing, you know, now working from home, now you can go to the office, now you cannot, now you need to pay for this expense. Now you're allowed to fire people. Now you're not allowed to fire people. So like there've been so many confusing, you know, changes in, in all countries that were affected by, by the pandemic that HR leaders are, you know, they really had it this year. So they, you know, we, we try to show some love and some support when we have the opportunity. And then one of the things that we did as a, as a product organization is like, how can we help? You know, we already embraced distributed workforce when we started Factorial. We understand that was already a trend. It just got massively accelerated. So, so it's like, how can we change? How can we help faster? And then we did two main things. One of them is we allowed organizations to have better asynchronous private two-way communication by enabling surveys of many types, anonymous surveys, uh, not anonymous surveys about performance, about well-being, about satisfaction, you know, people giving them, uh, giving people the ability to report on something wrong that's going on, you know, so that HR or, you know, management can take action. So this was one big area, you know, mm -hmm. communication through surveys. The other one was the sense of community. And actually that's how we got our feature. So one of the things that, you know, we had as a team when we were all going to the office is people would spontaneously organize a beach volley tournament. That's what you do in Barcelona. You go to the beach <laughs> and you play volleyball on a weekend or a Friday afternoon. Um, or they would meet for a wine tasting or for a poker game, whatever, you know, teams like doing. And this was all gone. So we launched a feature called Communities, which basically allows companies that use Factorial to do exactly that, right? So they can create a community 
and they can either invite people or leave it as an opt-in and whoever wants to join, they can join. And then this community acts as a kind of Facebook portal where people can post updates, they can invite people to events and they can comment on that. So it just allows people to, you know, belong to one of these subgroups inside an organization, right? People who like manga, people who like surfing, people who like reading, you know, books, and then they talk about the books that they're reading. And, and, you know, we've seen that people really value that we care about what's going on in the world. And obviously that we try to help by building technology, which is what we do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Hmm. Everything you're saying keeps coming back in my mind to the point that really the, the way in which factorial HR can help and the hidden ways in which HR can help people grow is that if you pay attention to some of these key, it's metrics, but it's also being observational in terms of how employees are feeling. Really, employee satisfaction is the key to all growth. And that's something that our listeners probably realize anyway. And it's something that I realize just in my role at site visibility. But everything comes back to the fact that if your employees are happy, you've got the best shot at growth. If they're not, and you're not paying attention to these kind of intangible things or the sometimes seemingly small things that turn into bigger things or bigger frustrations, then that limits your ability to grow. Is that a fair summary of the kind of the biggest way in which HR can help people grow? I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you ask, that's, that's the nice thing of what we do. Mm. If you ask any business owner or manager, you know, um, is it important for you to know what's going on in your organization? so that you're able to take action and help your company grow? Is it important to know that people are happy and productive and motivated? Obviously, everyone is aware of that. Mm. But then it's like, you ask, what are you doing about it? How do you know how things are going and what to do about it? Then people are like, I have no clue, you know, because I have no HR resources, you know, nobody's available to help us and we don't have a budget for that. That's, that's what you usually hear. So our role is to tell people it's actually very easy to solve this. You just implement a solution like Factorial. It's really affordable and it gives you this massive insight in what's going on in your business. And if you can just make one person more motivated, more productive, retain a key employee, you know, let go somebody who is dragging you back, you know, like whatever it is that you can take action in the first month pays for the next five years of factorials, you know, very cheap license. So, so it's, it's, it's an easy sell in this sense once we're able to tell this story to companies. So hopefully this podcast helps tell this story to somebody who's looking for a better way of running their company. Absolutely. And as we're talking this through a big question and something that I had in my mind coming into this podcast today was, and, and this actually ties back in with your point about empathy just a moment ago and really just human connection. I was thinking to myself, well, for small and medium businesses in particular, is there a risk that implementing HR software like Factorial could actually stop people from communicating effectively together? Does having a software solution 
prevent that human connection? And I'm really just interested to know whether you've come across that question and has that ever come into play in any of the businesses that you've helped when people start to look at factorial HR as a solution to share their problems, share their dilemmas, give feedback, which actually they should be giving maybe face-to-face? Yeah. The last point you made, I think, is key. Mm. So we use Zoom and Slack a lot in our organization, right? And I think those takeaway opportunities for really meaningful conversations face-to-face, right? So, so in my experience, using more Zoom or video conferencing in general and using more Slack or business chat in general does remove opportunities to spend quality time face-to-face. If you think about what people do in Factorial, you know, this is mostly the, the more work stuff. You know, it's like if you have a one-on-one with an employee, you know, manager employee, should they be speaking about if they're allowed to take five days of vacation for, you know, over Christmas or, you know, when's the next salary raised you? Or should they be talking about, you know, what motivates you? How can I help you get there faster? You know, like this kind of meaningful conversation. So the way I see it is if you remove the bureaucracy, the admin work, and you let some software take care of that, and then you allow them to see, you know, it's like as a manager, it's like, I see your motivation score in these surveys has gone down the last couple of quarters. Do you want to talk about that? Mm-hmm. It actually opens the opportunity to have this conversation by first removing the non-value add kind of more admin stuff and then exposing some insights that might, you know, give you a chance to talk about something meaningful, such as motivation, happiness, you know, relationship with their peers, whatever is going on that can be exposed through one of the features that Factorial offers. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, in general, the topic of productivity and efficiency has come up a lot on this podcast. And my my question, which I always smile at when I talk about is that, you know, if people are saving time, where are you spending that time? And are you spending that time effectively? So what I'm hearing as you're talking, Jordi, is that factorial, you know, if you implement factorial, you you can save yourself a lot of that admin time, which then you can utilize that time to make better, more meaningful, deeper connections with your employees, pay, pay greater attention, be more observational, pay attention to the data and use that to just form better working relationships. Absolutely. I subscribe Mm. that hundred (laughs) percent. And as you're talking all this through and you're providing examples about how Factorial can help businesses grow and help monitor employee satisfaction and help that process become even more seamless, I'm just interested to know, are there any favorite examples that you've had from your time at Factorial so far that stand out to you where companies have really just done exactly what you've just said? They've implemented Factorial and it's kind of revolutionized the way in which they approach HR, both from an efficiency standpoint, but also anything on the employee standpoint where it's helped them develop more meaningful, deeper relationships. On the first part, one of the trends that I like uh, when I see, and it's happening more and more, is that by making more information available and surfacing some, some stuff that was going on in the business, people take action. and. One specific example are employee handbooks, um, either by department or team or globally at a company. You know, when, when companies implement a solution like Factorial, they suddenly see what's going on in their business, you know, about rights that people have, you know, and sometimes these rights, the manager decides, oh, you can work from home. I mean, now it's a weird time to say that, but yeah, you, you get a raise if you get there or, you know, you can take this time off, don't worry. And then you put all of this in the platform and then you start seeing some discrepancies or some opportunities to improve. And then they think about it and they create a handbook. And this handbook is not just, I mean, it's, it's a great practice to, to create an employee handbook and it helps HR know you know, what's allowed and what's not and why. But this gives so much peace of mind to employees when they understand why the policies are what they are and and what was the thought process behind that. And it just has a tremendous impact in the satisfaction, happiness, and acceptance of many, many policies. It's not just because, you know, it's like, this is why. And we can even make it nice with an illustration or a video of the Mm -hmm. last team event that we did. And that's why we do one event every quarter, you know, and that's what we expect to get out of this event. And what's the expectation for you as a manager on motivating the team to join the event, to give, to give an example. On productivity, um, it's harder to measure. I mean, one of the biggest questions of our generation is how to measure productivity uh, besides currency, <laughs> like, like uh, money in, money out. This mm-hmm. is the only way I know 
uh, of measuring productivity, but that's just too simplistic. Uh, so I would say I still don't know how to answer what's the impact in productivity because I don't know how to measure productivity. Hmm. Uh, actually, thinking it through, uh, I'm assuming that you use Factorial at Factorial. How big did you say your team were now? We are 200 people. So 200 is a, is a sizable user base for things like user testing and rolling out new features. And it's only really just come to mind, but do you use your own employees as a kind of a test bed for new features and functionality for Factorial? Do they support you in the development of the platform and new features that are rolled out? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We always roll mm-hmm. out um, new features to us, you know, as like yeah. the first group of <laughs> beta testers is us. And then it's great because you start seeing in Slack, you know, it's like, hey, this odd thing happened or I don't understand this copy. I don't understand this message. What does it mean? Um, and this lets us polish the product. And then we have uh, other groups of not beta testers, but early adopters, companies that we have a relationship with uh, that are willing to use a product before the last layer of paint <laughs> or finish. <laughs> uh, and then we also open it to them, you know, maybe only for one or two weeks, sometimes for a month. And then we ask them, we send surveys, and then we use that information to to add the last layer of polish to the product before we release it to the thousands of customers that we have. Hmm. And I'm going to put you on a spot a little bit here, and hopefully your employees will enjoy this if, if they listen. But I'm interested to know, Jordi, of any metrics, any data, any information that's been shared via Factorial that you've paid attention to that you can share on this podcast and say, well, actually, that made a huge change to how we how we operate in our business. So is there anything that stands out to you perhaps more recently where you can say, actually, it came from employee feedback or team feedback and it changed something significant in your business? Yeah, so the latest example I can think of, and it's actually very re- recent and very relevant, mm-hmm. um, is we rolled out what's called ENPS, Employee Net Promoter Score, yeah. which is this zero to 10 question. Would you recommend Factorial as an employer to your friends? And in this case, colleagues doesn't make sense, but basically to your friends. Yeah. And then people rate from zero to 10. Uh, and then they leave comments on why they rated what they rated. So we did this. Um, it was anonymous. But then we could segment it by team and it did give us insight on some teams that were not as satisfied, you know, and we could then talk to the manager or to the manager's manager and say, watch out, something's going on. This team compared to others is not as excited to be working here as other people. And then we actually took action and we helped that manager do better one-on-ones and ask better questions. And then, you know, hopefully when we do it, actually, we just released the, the next quarterly survey, I think yesterday. So in a few days, we should have enough responses to evaluate the, the results. We should see an improvement in that team. And maybe we realize another trend, right? Um, so that's the numeric part. That's the data thing that you specifically ask. But then the second thing is the number is much more useful when it comes with, with information, right? So you can also look at what people say when they rate higher or when they rate lower and what the topics are. You can even do like a, like a word cloud. This is a very old visualization trick where you yeah. just, you know, kind of make words that are repeated more often bigger in a, in a diagram. And then you can see what people are talking about when they're very happy. Um, or what people are talking about when they're not so happy. And then, you know, think of initiatives to improve that. That's a perfect HR initiative that can be reacted on very quickly and, you know, measured again in like a month or two. It must be really addictive as a CEO of a company. You know, you're in HR, you've got 200 employees. It must be really addictive and you must have to have a level of self-discipline to not go in and check the data every day. So I'm just interested as as we close this section out, what are the metrics that you as a CEO of a HR SaaS company pay attention to? So the the most useful one is variable compensation, right? Because that's a mirror of how well we're doing. (laughs) And if it's not, it's a good alert that something needs to be changed in the (laughs) compensation policy. So knowing which sales reps are getting under or over 100% of their sales commission gives you a much faster answer to how well you're doing than many other Salesforce or HubSpot or other tools reports. Uh, so that we use very, very much. And also it helps you understand, is this person due for a promotion? You know, they keep overachieving and they've had the same compensation for a long time. Um, so, so variable compensation in general gives you a very, very good sense for how well things are going, either individually or as an organization or as a team. In our case, we're large enough that we we'd look, you know, region by region and department by department. 
Mm. Tying back in with our podcast title, the topic of retaining your top performing staff is such a key, a critical element of growth. So that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of what you've just said and making sure you're keeping an eye on your top performers and those that are doing well, making sure they're, you know, uh, suitably compensated for that and retaining your happy and, and top performing employees. Um, it's kind of, it's obvious, but it, it, again, it can go under the radar, particularly with these touch points. You just talked about quarterly surveys, I think, but you know, sometimes, uh, as we know, just life passes by really fast. And if you're not paying attention to those metrics, three, six months, nine months, an employee could be sitting there thinking, I'm putting in all this hard work and it's not been recognized. And I think particularly as a CEO or business owner, you're looking very long term. And so it's easy to forget some of those short term performance gains that some employees are making. And it sounds like that's just one way to stay on top of that. Correct. You mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast about the fact that you really like talking to clients and just talking to people in general about the topic of HR, which again is why we're recording this podcast today. And I'm thinking you spend so much time in this industry. I'm interested to know the trends in HR that are coming up regularly in conversations for you. So whether it's business owners or whether it's HR professionals, what are some of the key topics and questions that people keep asking you or that you've just observed that keep coming up as hot topics in the HR industry at this time? I think one of the biggest trends that we see and that we support is that HR stops serving people, um, stops being like the secretary of everyone, um, even of employees, you know, sometimes it generates these weird dynamics where people just demand things from HR and, and, mm. you know, we're luckily moving away from that and going into HR, helping managers do their job better as a manager. So, you know, starting with recruitment, some companies, especially older companies, see HR or a talent acquisition team as, as an agency, right? So a manager says, give me two customer support reps by next Monday, you know? And don't be late and make sure they're cheap and good. And then they're back and they wait until next Monday to see what they get. And that's terrible. That's obviously not the recipe for success. So what we like is, you know, seeing a manager that goes to HR and say, I need to hire two sales rep, the sooner, I sorry, two customer support reps, the sooner, the better. And, you know, I have a challenge with gross margin. So it would really help the business if they're not too expensive. So what do you think is a fair compensation? How fast do you think we can get them? And can you help me write a good job offer and screen the first candidates, right? That's a much more productive conversation. And that's not just in recruitment. That has to do when, you know, somebody wants to change a salary structure or organize a team event. You know, don't just do it on your own or don't just delegate it to HR. Actually work with HR as a partner and do it together. That's a massive trend that we are seeing and that we're actually empowering also with our product. You know, when we do things a certain way, we try to, you know, insinuate to, to our customers that that's a better way of doing it and that they should include uh, both the HR person and the manager in such processes. If you want to get a little bit more nerdy and techie, Absolutely. I see that people are trying, this is like a very early stage trend, but they're trying to use AI, machine learning, mm-hmm. big data, um, to screen candidates, for instance, right? So pre-screening candidates, especially companies that have candidates or job openings where thousands of people apply to, then it's really hard to go through thousands of applications and CVs. So they're starting to use some artificial intelligence there to pre-screen some potential fit candidates there that then HR can do a proper screening and then managers can do a, a formal interview process. Um, and I think that makes sense for some profiles, but I've seen this wrongly used in, in other roles, such as, you know, tech talent, where you don't typically have thousands of applications to go through and people would simply get offended if they don't have, uh, you know, personal one-to-one treatment by the hiring manager directly, not even HR. So it's, it's tricky to make sure not to use certain tools or ideas the wrong way. Do you have any plans at Factorial to implement AI and ML in what you do? And I think back to what you were sharing earlier about goals, for example, about looking at employee compensation based on location, or perhaps just recognizing patterns across different types of employees, across across different types of sectors. 
So yeah, do you have any plans to utilize AI and ML to drive anything at Factorial? That's exactly where. So I don't know exactly which technologies are going to mm. be required there. There is data. I don't know if it's big data, but there is definitely a ton of data. Yeah. Um, and it needs to be made uniform, right? Because everybody writes a job title in very different and creative ways. Mm. And we need to be able to understand that they actually mean the same. So there is some pattern matching and some data aggregation that needs to be done. And that is, we believe, going to add a ton of value to our customers. So that's, that's the area where we are probably going to innovate more with cutting edge technology. And going back to what you were just saying previously, it sounds like there's maybe a change in the HR industry, or at least factorial, you're trying to help support a change from, uh, actually, it's going back to earlier in the episode, you, you talked about making HR fun. And it's funny because that's one of the things that I was thinking about coming into this episode is that I think for a long time, at least in my experience and in marketing, HR is seen as what you described previously. It's, you know, whenever HR comes up, it's typically for a negative reason, maybe. And it sounds like you, from your experience, speaking to clients, speaking to partners, maybe that's changing. Is that fair? And maybe HR is becoming seen or hopefully becoming seen as a more collaborative process. We have a long way to go. I right. think it's starting to change. Um, so very few people embrace that new world. Um, you know, we're trying to do our, our job there and I couldn't even say that all of our customers are there. Um, and we are tiny compared to the whole industry, right? So, so, I mean, we have thousands of customers, but maybe, you know, half of them are really betting on this future. The other half, we still in the process of helping them understand their role in the company and, you know, precisely by providing them with data and insights and helping their bosses make better decisions will help them earn this respect um, and trust from the organization that then they can believe that they can do more than just solving ugly problems, which is what they've been doing for decades. So, so there is hope. Sorry. We're, we're going to get there, but it's going to take a while. And just on on that note about the future, we talked a little bit about AI and ML and some of the developments at Factorial there. But looking into the future, uh, I'm always interested, and I'm sure our listeners and some of your prospects and clients are too, to know what the future holds for you. So, you know, we'll, we'll have your website in the show notes and people can go check you out and see your existing features and functionality. And we've talked through a lot of that today. But what's on the horizon? And that's both for the software but also, Jordi, for you and the problems that you want to solve in HR, what does the future look like for you? I mean, the future is very exciting. The first thing that brings is growth. We're growing a lot. Actually, mm. the UK uh, was our fastest growing market this last few months. And we're putting a lot of attention to that market because we see a lot of mature businesses are completely underserved when it comes to technical partners like ourselves mm. to help them make better decisions. So we're very excited about growth getting more customers, getting customers from more parts around the planet. That's really exciting. And when it comes to the problems that we're solving for those customers, our ambition is to be all in one, right? And all is a lot of things. <laughs> so we keep working very hard in, in adding more things to this all. We recently added, as I mentioned, these, these surveys, these performance management tools. Uh, we added this um, community solution we are also looking at adding more powerful data visualization tools so customers mm -hmm. can ask more sophisticated questions to the data that we host for them in Factorial. And we're also adding new creative ways of doing things with the application, such as mobile. We have face recognition. We have a lot of different tools that companies can use to interact with the solution in either new COVID-related circumstances or just to serve more industries and newer ways of solving old problems. Excellent. Uh, and that's something to look forward to. And there's been plenty that you've shared today, which I look forward to. And particularly in closing, thinking about that, maybe hopefully that change in approach towards HR. And thanks to you, Jordi, and for your team for kind of leading some of that change and making HR more fun, more seamless, and more efficient. Uh, before I, I let you go, do you want to let our listeners know more about where they can find out more about you, Factorial, and anything else that you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. We actually came up with an exclusive offer for listeners to this podcast. Um, so if any listener wants to know more about Factorial and get one free month 
plus a free HR consultation with one of our experts, they should go to factorialhr.co.uk slash site visibility. Um, and there our audience can hear more and see more about our product and even try it out and get some free stuff, which is always good. Wonderful. Any social media for you or for Actorial that you want to share as well? Uh, we're everywhere. So Instagram, we have a lot of content on YouTube, actually. Uh, so Instagram, YouTube, our webpage, Twitter, Facebook, we're in all the usual places, LinkedIn as well. <laughs> so go to our website and you'll find links to everywhere. And if you're willing to take your time and learn more about HR, not just about Factor, but HR in general, just go there and start browsing our resources section and you'll have a lot of content to learn stuff. Jordi, thank you so much for your time today. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.